Thanks for listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos and the PCC Multiverse. Check out more great podcasts today on one of these awesome affiliate networks. You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. The Tangibound Network. Check it out. Tangiboundnetwork.com. Listen to this show, the latest episode, every time. A proud member of the Good and Geek Network. The opinions expressed are those of each individual. Check out all the other geeky podcasts over at gunnageeknetwork.com and get ready because geekiness begins in 3, 2, 1. On this week's episode, it's part one of our fall movie preview. Why is Doug so mad at Xbox? And should Amazon Prime just be thought of as a customer retention tool? All this and more as we once again delve into the pop culture cosmos. Welcome to the pop culture cosmos. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the pop culture cosmos. This is Gerald Glassford from Pop Culture Cosmos and Game Source, thanking you so much for listening to all of our great programming. But it wouldn't be a pop culture cosmos without my good friend. He is the leading man when it comes to everything going on at Humanity Media and also the great Topicoculus program. You got to check out all the great things going on in his world at Humanity Media on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and also Topicoculus on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, and so much more. It's my good friend. It is the man himself. It is Josh Peterson. What's going on, man? I feel like I need some theme music here. Um, not the leading time. man. That's right. The leading man, indeed. Yeah, yeah. Just, just, just a sick like guitar shred, just going. It's going to be a great show we have for you today. We've got a lot to talk about in a little bit. We have Rob McCallum standing by in the middle of the Cosmic Crossfire. He's got some gripes to talk about when it comes to Amazon Prime. Speaking of gripes, later on in the broadcast, Douglas Hoyabu of Retro City Games has got a lot of gripes when it comes to Xbox and their recent decision in regards to a bundled subscription plan. After that, we've got Tyler Baker from the Fantasy Football Pater podcast, which again is now airing on the Pop Culture Cosmos podcast channel. You just check it out today on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and so many other different outlets. He's going to get you a little bit primed up for the season upcoming. And then also, we're going to be talking a little bit later on in the show about Anthem. A little bit more was shown off at PAX West this past weekend. We talk a little bit more about Anthem and how it's progressing. Is it something that's getting a little bit more on our radar? Or is it something that we're still having a little bit of a Mass Effect Andromeda hangover? We've got a lot of stuff coming in the next few weeks that our good friends at Vitabrace are going to be helping us out with some of these future projects. Josh, can you give me the lowdown real quick on what Vitabrace does and why it is so cool for any gamer out there that's looking to get an edge as far as their gaming competition is concerned? I ran into one of the representatives at E3. He gave me a sample of the product, and we started chatting after that. So what Vitabrace is designed for is designed for gamers to put around the wrist while they play, and it's supposed to make you less tired, fatigued, sore, and stiff. It's supposed to take care of all that stuff, so it gives you the 
the hands of the youth, you know, more endurance, grip, strength, range of motion, mobility, stability. And it does work. I have tried it. If you spend hours in front of your keyboard or your console, this is definitely something you want to look into. So definitely check out Vitabrace and we'll have more on that later in the show. Absolutely. And we also just want to let them know that we thank them so much for doing a lot of stuff with us upcoming. They're going to be out there giving us a hand at a lot of our projects upcoming. So we definitely cannot thank them enough for doing that, along with our good friends as well from Retro City Games, Rob McCallum Films, and Wheelie Q Barbecue Sauces and Rubs, and FX Unit Yuki. Just cannot thank all of them enough for all the things that they do for us and have done for us over the past few episodes as well. But again, it is our fall winter preview time for a lot of great stuff over the next few episodes. We're going to be actually talking about a lot of things that are coming out over the next few months, including movies on our Monday and our Friday show. And it all starts with the months of September and October in this episode of the Pop Culture Cosmos that I really want to talk about. And it pretty much starts off this weekend coming up with major releases, including The Nun, Peppermint, which is going to be an action thriller coming up with Jennifer Garner. And in a little bit over a thousand theaters as well, God Bless the Broken Road, that's also coming out on the 7th. The Nun is something I'm definitely interested in. I love the Conjuring and Conjuring 2. I didn't see the last Annabelle movie. I think like Jason Todd Feinberg from Hunnic Queen, he was saying of any of the movies that came out as far as the horror genre is concerned for the rest of the year, and that included the spiritual successor to Halloween, he is pointing towards The Nun as being the biggest hit of them all. I saw the preview in the theaters and I had not seen it ahead of time on YouTube. And as my wife can attest to, it really shook me up when I saw that preview. It really got me on that one. Did you know that they pulled the ads off TV? Or not officially off TV, but they had to shorten it down to like 15 seconds because it was scaring people too much. No, I wasn't aware of that, but I can see why. At the very tail end of the trailer, it got me as far as where they placed the jump scare. It was a really good one, and it came out of nowhere seemingly. And it just... I, th- I can see why that the commercial was pulled as f- or at least shortened to an extent because that jump scare, if you see it, the trailer in the theaters, it really is something that sets you up good if you're really into horror flicks. There's always been like a level of realism to the Conjuring franchise, and that's what one of the things I'm kind of excited about to see. And that's what it is. It's related to the Conjuring franchise in full. Could you go more into that a little bit? Yeah, so the nun was the Warren. So the wife would always see this apparition of this this lady, this nun. And they talked about a little bit in The Conjuring too, but they didn't really elaborate too much on who she was. And then now in this movie, we're actually getting to see how this legend started and all that stuff. And apparently, I don't know how true it is, but it's based on stuff that more or less allegedly happened. So that's what always makes these movies a little bit more terrifying. When it comes to Peppermint, which is coming out this weekend, is this a movie that could hit with audiences in the same way that John Wick has to the point where it could be a female version of John Wick? Because from the trailers and the scenes that I've seen already, 
it looks like it's shaping up to be just that as far as a revenge action thriller flick that really has something going for it from a different angle. It spins a different point of view on it, but has no less action and suspense and a lot of gunplay as well. Yeah, it's basically Alias the movie. You know, I'm interested. Like, I, I saw the trailer for it yesterday. I wanted to go see the Meg Meg's awful movie, by the way. We'll talk about that later. But I like the idea of her going away and not being able to get justice. And then she goes away to train and just makes everyone pay. It reminds me of law abiding, like a mixture of John Wick and law abiding citizen. Like, I, I don't know if I'll get to catch it in theaters, but it's on my radar. On mine as well, I think she has been a great actress doing a lot of different roles over the years. Some of the movies she's put herself into as far as romantic comedies or faith-based movies or indie projects, maybe have, I don't know, may have underused her talents a little bit. Maybe she's just been okay with doing those type of roles. I think she hasn't been challenged as much as she should have been over the past few years with some of her movie role choices because I think she can be still a top drawing actress as far as within the movie genre so i'm glad to see that she's in a performance that's really outside of the box since something that she has done well in a long time in that similar type of vein since electra i guess would probably have to be something that's even close to what she's done since then yeah and i think that she kind of has the same stigma around her that taylor kitsch currently has you know they were in big budget movies that didn't do so well and then you know, they tried to do another comeback again, didn't do so well. Although Kitsch was good and um, Michael Keaton was in it. Oh, yeah, yeah. The assassin one with that other guy. Yeah, it was actually came out about a year ago this time. Yeah, like he played a decent villain. But anyways, I digress. Yeah, I think that she became one of those actresses that people kind of want to distance themselves from because they weren't exactly selling tickets. So I feel like this is the road to redemption for her. And I hope that works out because I, for one, actually think that she's a very good actress. I think she's not even past her prime. I don't think even think she's reached her prime. So I think there's a lot of potential to be had from her. On the 14th, The Predator. This is something that you and I have talked about at length already with Fox, the Fox properties being sold to Disney, whether or not this is going to get a sustained life as far as the IP is concerned. A lot of it is going to be dependent on what it does with this movie. And that is coming out on the 14th. A Simple Favor, Unbroken Path to Redemption, and White Boy Rick. Those are also wide releases on the 14th as well. But with The Predator, I know they came out with a trailer. What was the final, 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 final trailer? Do you really think that's going to bring in audiences? Because like I said, a lot is writing on this IP when it comes to this particular movie and the future of the franchise. If Disney's going to do to these movies what everyone's thinking they're going to do this is the last hurrah for predator so whether it's good or not i think that that's enough to get people out to watch it i hope people go to see it because that's going to improve the chances of it getting another one but you know in this case it is kind of the death throes of the predator no pun intended it might be our last chance to see an original predator film in theaters so i i think that that's enough pool for me especially to get me out to the movies to see this on the 21st, you have Fahrenheit 11.9. That is another documentary from Michael Moore where, well, he's he's going after a few people this time like once again. And with his movies, he's always trying to make a message. So this is another documentary in that realm by Michael Moore, and that's Fahrenheit 11.9. And that comes out on the 21st of September. 
you got the house with a clock in its walls that's coming out on the 21st i believe that one's with jack black and also kate blanchett that's coming out on the 21st and life itself is also coming out on the 21st as well that's something coming out in cooperation with amazon studios so is there going to be a tie-in with the actual amazon prime or whatnot we're going to be talking more about what Amazon Prime is doing coming up in the Cosmic Crossfire. Do you think Fahrenheit 11.9 will be that film that might capture the attention for people, not just for him and his projects, but also documentaries as a whole as well? But I think Michael Moore, he used to be good at what he did, but now he just kind of feeds on the whining of millennials. And I just, I'm not a fan of that. And especially like, something political like I hate politics I cannot stand them but like something like this where it's going to divide people and make people upset like I just I don't believe in those types of documentaries so I I am going to stay very far away from this movie on the 28th is another horror movie Hellfest Little Women Night School and Smallfoot that's what's on the queue for the 28th of September Coming up in October 5th is A Star is Born, and a lot of good word came out on that. That's Bradley Cooper's, I believe, his directorial debut. It stars Lady Gaga and him in the movie. It's the fourth rendition of the story, A Star is Born. A lot of great reviews from it so far coming out of the Venice Film Festival. So a lot of people may be looking for that movie to shine as it gets closer and closer to the Oscar season. And Venom also comes out October the 5th. You and I, Josh, have talked at nauseum about Venom. We're still not hooked on it yet. We think this may be something that Sony may be regretting at this point in time, but hopefully we will be wrong and it will prove to be another classic anti-hero comic book movie that actually does have a good payoff. Has there been anything that's really garnered interest for you since we last talked about when it comes to the Venom movie? So this is what I keep telling people. I'm going to go see the movie, but right now I have absolutely no expectations for it. And I'm I'm curious to see what Tom Hardy does. I haven't liked what I've seen in the trailer so far, but I'm still going to go in with an open mind and hope that it surprises me. But what I'm tired of and what I don't want to see is all these announcements, even in with Sony and their Spider-Verse, and then you have DC and other separate timelines. I don't like that because it makes it feel like a waste of time to me. So I hope some way in some form that a venom ends up being good that it will be tied into the greater mcu in some fashion i'm not excited about it but i'm not displeased that it's out there i'm just gonna go see it and i'm going to try to remain completely objective until the credits roll on the 12th of october you've got bad times at the el royale this one as far as the word of mouth is all over the place it's a movie that has chris hemsworth in it and John Hamm and a few other stars as well. Kind of an off-the-beaten-path type movie. So you might want to check out the trailer for that. First Man, that's also something as well that's been all over the place as far as the opinions on it. I know it also debuted recently at the Venice Film Festival. That one's starring Ryan Gosling. I believe it concerns the early space program. And Goosebumps 2, Haunted Halloween. That one's coming out just a few weeks after... The house with a clock in its walls, very similar in that realm. So it's kind of uh, maybe it's a situation where you have two movies that are kind of similar that are coming out in close proximity. And it looks like maybe only one might be a successful venture from it. So we'll have to wait and see which one that is. 
I know I talked about Goosebumps too, and the similarities to what we had talked about when it comes to a house with a clock in the wall. That one is starring Jack Black. Goosebumps, the original had Jack Black in it, but the Goosebumps 2 this time around is not going to have him involved in this project. Probably scheduling conflicts there. But what's cool about House with a Clock in its Walls, it's the first movie directed by Eli Roth that doesn't feature, you know, people being impaled or having their eyes poked out with Bunsen burners and stuff like that. So good for him. You know, he's trying something new here, genre wise. Bad times at the El Royale. For some reason, Chris Hemsworth got a hold of this movie, but is yet unable to go ahead and commit to Star Trek Four, which is kind of disappointing to me because that movie, I think Star Trek Four would probably garner him a little bit more fanfare than something that maybe like Bad Times at the El Royale, which could get swept under the rug really quickly. Yeah, but I think at this point, Chris Hemsworth is looking to make a name for himself in the more artistic realm of filmmaking. I honestly have not seen any trailers at all for Bad Times at the El Royale, but I'm willing to give it a shot. Like if it's got someone like Chris Hemsworth in it and John Hamm, like I'm willing to check it out and see what it's all about, but can't blame Chris Hemsworth for wanting to show that he has more depth as an actor than like some of these big budget films will allow him to show. What was the other one you were asking me about? Also as well, First Man, that's the one with Ryan Gosling and they're portraying the space race, I believe with Neil Armstrong at that early point in time in, in the space race, I guess. That's the one that flat earthers are going crazy about. Pretty much, pretty much at this point in time. <laughs> it's done in the studio. I mean, I guess this one was technically done in the studio, but... <laughs> yeah, they did this on location. Yeah, yeah. you know, I got to do some research into it. I, I imagine maybe they're trying to, uh, you know, capture that space exploration feeling. Like, we all remember... The right stuff did before, yeah. Yeah, and we all remember what it's like being a kid and, you know, looking up in the space and being like, oh, that'd be cool to be up in space one day. So I think they're trying to kind of... PG-13 rating, I think they're trying to cash in on that nostalgia, hoping that it it might re-spark the imagination all over America. That's coming out on October 12th as well. And then you have, coming up after that, You have on the 19th, you've got the newest rendition of Halloween starring Jamie Lee Curtis that takes place roughly 40 years after the original events of Halloween. A lot of people are looking towards that one to be a big hit over the Halloween season. Then you also have on the 19th of October, The Hate You Give and Serenity. No, it's not that Serenity. This is a new movie called Serenity starring Matthew McConaughey and Anne Hathaway. Then also on the 26th, you have Hunter Killer, Indivisible, and guess what, Josh? Johnny English strikes again. Rowan Atkinson is back playing Johnny English in the movie Johnny English Strikes Again, and that is coming out October 26, 2018. Well, that's going to do it for our preview part one at the movies. If you have any thoughts out there on what movies that you're going to see or that you want to know more about, In the months of September and October, please share us your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Also as well, popculturecosmos, Humanica Media, and Game Source on Facebook and Twitter as well. Also, we want to know what movies do you really just are kind of turned off by and think are just going to be duds on arrival, but also movies you think are going to be a sleeper hit that people need to watch out for. 
Like I said, coming up later in the program, we have Douglas Hoyabu from Retro City Games. He is upset with Xbox, and he's going to elaborate as to why coming up on the back half of the show. Plus, Josh and I are going to be talking about Anthem. Is it still something that we need to get more interested in? Is it they were showing off more this weekend at PAX? Is it something that's really got us more keyed in on, or is it something that we still kind of like standoffish about? Then we've also got Tyler Baker coming up later in the broadcast as well from the Fantasy Football Patriot Podcast. Some news and little tidbits for you as you gear up towards the NFL season. He gives you a little bit of the insight and a taste of the latest episode, the full episode of which is coming out on Tuesday to the Pop Culture Cosmos channel. All this and so much more, but it starts off right after the break with our good friend Rob McCallum coming up in the middle of the Cosmic Crossfire He's a little bit upset about the future and what the status is of Amazon Prime, and he tells you why, coming up right after the break. This is the Pop Culture Cosmos. Mm, nothing's better when grilling your favorite meal than adding some delicious Wheelie Q rubs, seasonings, and gluten-free barbecue sauce. Made with the finest ingredients, Wheelie Q products pack a ton of flavor to your meals, whether it's ribs, chicken, steak, hamburgers, fries, or vegetables. To get your hands on some of these tasty Wheelie Q items, head on over to www.wheelieq.com and a portion of all profits made will go into finding a cure for spinal muscular atrophy. Pop Culture Cosmos listeners, Act now and get 15% off your order just by entering the promo code POD1, that's P-O-D, and the number one at checkout. For the tastiest food on the grill, nothing's better than Wheelie Q items today at wheelieq.com. And we're back with another edition of the Cosmic Crossfire. It's Gerald coming right back at you here. Well, it wouldn't be a Cosmic Crossfire without my good friend. It's the man himself at Rob McCallum Films. You gotta check out all the great stuff that's going on with Rob McCallum Films today at robmccallumfilms.com, Rob McCallum Films on Facebook, and at Rob McZob on Twitter. It's my good friend. It is Rob McCallum. So pray tell, Rob, what's on your mind when it comes to pop culture? Amazon has decided to develop original movies alongside other studios. From an article on Deadline, talks are in early stages and no agreements have been reached, sources say. However, Amazon is looking for the opportunity to exploit existing studio IP. Sources say Amazon is looking to replicate Paramount's success with the Cloverfield Paradox, a film sequel that was released directly to rival streaming service Netflix. But Deadline notes that Amazon is rebuilding the studio under Jennifer Salk, who has stressed multiple times that the streaming company, quote, will not be in the volume business. According to Salk, Amazon views Prime Video as a customer retention tool, not as a standalone business. Thoughts on this approach, Gerald? Well, let's first delve into Cloverfield Paradox. And the movie itself stunk. It is one of the worst I, movies of the year. I haven't my- seen it. We talked about it before. It was dropped after Super Bowl Sunday. Uh, they had a big ad during Super Bowl last year, driving a lot of traffic. 
there. And that's uh, and that's that's the reason why it it in part it became so successful is because of that. So let's look at that. Well, but let's let's Barnes. talk about success too and what success actually is. Because Paramount offloaded it to Netflix for fifty million dollars instead of the cost of putting it through a theatrical run, which with prints and advertising would at least been twenty thirty million dollars, let alone whatever other costs that would have been associated with it. So they basically save face. Okay, we'll take 50, 50 million and call it a day. That was success for Paramount, not having to kind of run the gamut, not having to have another X against the track record on the year for them and try something new, which I think, you know, was at least buzzworthy and discussion and water cooler like, and to really take advantage of the Super Bowl ad. And this goes again with what you're saying. Should Amazon video be treated as far as a main entity or a side entity? And to me, if you're spending $500 million on the Lord of the Rings property, to produce a series in that, to me, you should start treating it like it's its own main property and not just an additional side thing when it comes to Amazon and an additional reason why you should invest in Amazon Prime. So I don't know, man. To me, they have every opportunity to become its own entity that will stand out, uh, will drive actually audiences and people into the service in and of itself and then get Amazon Prime on the side and all the benefits of that. To me, it's something that they can compare to Netflix favorably and that if they really put a focus on Amazon Prime Video, it can be one of the leading, if not the leading service that's out there on streaming if they so choose to use that option. Because the funds are there, my friend. It's just a matter of the will and the drive and the projects that they get in. And what do you think about her comment saying that Amazon Prime Video is a customer retention tool, not a standalone business. And the way they're treating it is right now, obviously some of the series, the Jack Ryan series that's just debuted and other series that they have. And, and for them, they treat it like a customer retention tool. But if it were me, I would try to take every step possible to not only make it a customer retention tool, but make it a property worth having I get really scared as a subscriber to Amazon Prime Video, which I value more than the the actual shipping side of things, when I'm told that this isn't a priority, this is just a measure in order to keep me around, because that doesn't feel like they're trying to invest or expand it. I feel like there's no loyalty there. I feel like it is the stepchild that's shoved in the closet that you don't want to talk about. It has its place, you know, during family events and stuff. But otherwise, you know, it's just not worth anybody else's time. And frankly, you know, I was a little disappointed because I had watched a lot of Prime probably from January till about May or so. And then we packed up and moved houses and stuff. And I hadn't been on Amazon Prime since. And then I, I flipped it on last night. And lo and behold, there was really nothing new added. I flipped through all the different new series and all the different movies that were added. And I think I saw like one new thing of remote interest and the rest was just recycled garbage that was still under the new category. So it definitely feels like it's getting stale and I don't feel like there's a lot going on there. A big loss of consumer confidence, if you ask me. And then to hear them say that they're not going to treat this, you know, with, with a with a big bright torch and keep moving forward in the direction that they have with their award-winning series and art house films that they might want to just get into studio fair. I think that's probably a mistake. Who's to say they can't do it all? But when they also say things like we're not going to be in the volume business, I feel like, again, as a customer, well, you better do something because you're not holding my attention. And if you're only going to put out one or two films a year that are studio fair based on existing IP, I better like them. And chances are I won't at the very least. 
So I ask you this then, you know, Amazon Prime, like I said, has the brand new Jack Ryan series. It does have in development the Lord of the Rings series. So it's doing things that are keeping it up and running, but it's not doing anything in your mind to extenuate itself, to to have it stand out and make it say that it is the leading streaming service on the internet. So it's not going that realm because you and I both think with the type of funding, the type of backing that it could have and the type of access that it has to audiences that it could be a Netflix killer in some form or fashion. Quite frankly, it needs to be in the volume business. Having your five or six original series a year isn't enough. As people know with binging, you can devour a series in a, in a weekend if it's good. And let's say every Amazon original series is great. The Jack Ryan one is getting a lot of mixed reviews. I haven't seen it myself. He's not a character that you know I love. I will probably check it out just for the sake of watching it. I want to check out The Last Tycoon as well. But there's not a lot on there for me. So even if you're going to stick to your six, let's call it 10 original series, that's not really enough because you can go through it so quickly. And what are you supposed to do the rest of the time? And maybe, hey, I've said it before with video games. I really only get to play five, six games a year because I don't have the time to invest in a 70-hour RPG or a sprawling series. TV is a little bit different. I've got kids. I've got a little bit of downtime here and there. I can't sleep at night sometimes or I get up early in the morning or sometimes I just want a little bit of R&R. And I want to make sure something's going to be there. If I'm paying the same price that I'm essentially paying for Netflix, I want to have something that's on par in terms of options and quality. When you get into the volume game, you're inevitably going to uh, raise the quality because by sheer numbers of increase. So if you have 10 quality titles and you only have 100 things in total, if you get 1,000, you'll have 100 quality things in total by the same factor. But it just seems kind of confusing to me that they go ahead and invest money in this Jack Ryan series, that they go ahead and invest so much money in the Lord of the Rings series. But like you said, they only treat it as a customer retention tool. It's like someone that has all this money but doesn't really know what to do with it. And it really just makes no sense at all. If it was you and I running Amazon Prime as far as from the video sense, I would make every effort to try and compete on a level that's at or near or even above what Netflix is doing right now. Yeah, and let's not forget that this is on top of making extra money because they're paying out less to people that are putting their own content on Amazon Prime now. They cut it down to a whopping 30% of what it had been before from 15 cents down to five and a half, six cents per minute stream. So they're, they're only giving people pennies now instead of nickels and dimes and that she put more money in their, in their, in their coffers at the very least. Well, that'll do it for another episode of the cosmic crossfire until next time. Then I guess until next time, it's always great to have you a part of the show, my friend, part of the pop culture cosmos. And of course, right here in the middle, of the Cosmic Crossfire. You're listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos. Don't touch that dial. Wait, do, do people still use dials? Rob McCallum Films is back with a vengeance. Power of Grayskull, the definitive history of He-Man and the Masters of the Universe, which chronicles the ultimate 80s billion-dollar franchise, Masters of the Universe. See exclusive interviews and hear untold stories from the people responsible for creating the world of Eternia, a place full of magic and science, and learn about the craft of creating action figures and animation. Power of Grayskull is just one of our many projects at Rob McCallum Films. And we're back with the program. This is Gerald coming right back at you here. Well, I got flagged down by my good friend here earlier in the week. He said he had to talk about Xbox. 
He just it was something that they've done in the recent past that they've they've decided to make somewhat of a out of the box decision. That's he's really uh, up in arms over. So he's here today to talk a little bit more about it. It is the man behind, although the woman behind as well is Nicole Galgazian, but the man behind the Retro City Games right here in Las Vegas, Nevada, the leader in video games right here in Southern Nevada. It is my good friend, is Mr. Douglas Oyabu. What's up, man? How you doing, Gerald? Thanks oh, for having me. Oh, always good to have you on the show, my friend. And just thank you so much for being part, as always, for the Pop Culture Cosmos for all these episodes. And just we're just so glad to have you a part of doing everything that we do here. But I know you're upset, man. I know you're bothered because Xbox recently announced a subscription plan where, yes, you can get an Xbox One, Xbox Live, and Xbox Game Pass all for one nice, tidy price, whatever you want to say. And that's Xbox One X or Xbox One, the original. They haven't really been clear about which one it is, but they, they did mention in the initial blog post I saw, they mentioned a 500 gig unit. So it would either have to be an S or an original, but they were kind of, not insinuating, but kind of saying it's a basic Xbox. So I don't know if that's a new skew or if that, especially for this, or if it's an S or, or what it is. But I, I think it's time for everybody to be honest about Game Pass. And I'm not against subscription-based gaming for you know older games and older systems and stuff. Sony tried it with the PlayStation Now. It wasn't a very good service. The idea of streaming instead of downloading, terrible idea. But I think it's time for everybody to be honest about Game Pass and how bad it will be if, if this is the direction that games are going, how bad it will be for the industry and it essentially for the gamers. I know everybody, everybody I've mentioned this to has kind of gotten on me where they're like, you want a brick and mortar store, you just want you know games to sell. And I'm like, no, I'm a gamer first. And I just, I, I don't understand how it can be Maybe somebody knows something I don't. Maybe you can enlighten me. I don't know how it can be profitable or good for the industry to essentially shoot for the lowest common denominator. I mean, a race to the bottom isn't really a race. You know, everybody's going to finish last. If if we're locking gamers in at a twenty dollars per month price point, how does any how do any of these studios have a budget to continue making games? And what's the reason for an indie studio to put their put their new product out there or even want to develop a product? I mean, it's it's a Netflix mentality where. Oh, with the it's eventually it'll end up on there, and we'll get paid a couple thousand dollars for our years of hard work. I, I don't understand how, in any way, shape, or form, this Game Pass is good for gamers in the end. Well, for new products and new games that come out and get released on the Game Pass, and even the first-party titles that get released on Xbox Game Pass, it's hard to to understand why because you're sacrificing initial sales for that. I get the fact that older games, and even games like Halo, the Master Chief Collection, which has now been circulating for the Xbox One for two, three, four years now, that I understand being a, a something that you can now generate a new life on an Xbox Games Pass. But something like Sea of Thieves, which was just pushed right onto Xbox Game Pass, that sacrificed in my opinion a lot of initial sales that it could have generated in and of itself because there was a excitement for it a lot of people excited that rare was really back getting into a what they considered a triple-a game and i thought that maybe they sacrificed a lot of initial sales when they just put it right out there on xbox game pass sure their numbers look great they've got five million plus subscribers that that actually have played the game yada 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 it helps boost the numbers like that but Overall revenue, which something that Microsoft still 
you know, should have an eye on gets lost in translation, like you said, when it comes to Xbox Game Pass, because it distorts all these new releases that you put on this platform. Even if we had 10 million people, let's say, let's, let's go crazy and say 20 million people were on Game Pass paying every month with an average of about $10. If you factor in, they have the buy three, get two months free, all that kind of stuff. It actors factors up to 10, $11 per month. So, I mean, we're looking right there at $200 million a month. That sounds great. I mean, that's more money than most of us will ever see in our lives. But when you look at games like Fallout and Skyrim and these bigger, you know, third-party developers... GTA V from Rockstar. Yeah, I mean, Red Dead Redemption 2. When they're going to sell 4, 5, 6, 10, 15, 20 million copies in the first year and they're netting 20, 25, $30 a copy, I mean, we're talking close to a billion dollars for those companies versus a split of 200, a small portion of 200 million. I mean, I don't understand why it makes sense. I mean... They, I know Microsoft's been buying up indies, and I, I just don't—I don't see where the end game for the big publishers is. Well, in the first few days, I'm sure people and analysts that are out there, and even Rockstar themselves, 2K and whatnot, I'm sure they're anticipating at least five to ten million sold in the first seven days for something like Red Dead Redemption 2. And you just do the math on that: 60 bucks, 600 million dollars. Let's say it'll probably be a little bit less after whatnot: three, four, five hundred million. That, you know, that's something that they could never make up if they were just put a first day on an Xbox Game Pass or a similar type subscription program. People forget about also the the the, Im, the impulsivity of, of, you know, the consumer in the U.S. And I, I'm not sure how it is globally, but in the U.S., I mean, you walk into a Target, a Walmart, a Best Buy, and there's ads for those things that developers pay a lot of money for. And in turn, those retailers give them a lot of shelf space and sometimes free shelf space to continue to carry products. I mean, there's a reason the electronics department is in the back of Walmart. Walmart doesn't make a lot of money off it. It gets people in the store that walk by the clothing and the food and the household goods and all the things they do make a lot of money on to go buy that game. So it's it's hoping that that person who comes in and impulse buys Red Dead Redemption, where Walmart's going to make seven to ten dollars at the end of the day, bought ten other things and they made ten dollars a piece off of those. It's I don't understand how you're going to push or market your game other than a commercial here or there to that kid that walks into a store and what, buy this on Game Pass and you're just renting a, a, a piece of a wall, an essential poster on the wall with no product to sell, which means in turn, the stores aren't going to want to carry your console. So I think that's what Microsoft's trying to do by saying, oh, rent the console as well, is eliminating the brick and mortar and the actual person selling the console, but then you're shooting yourself in the foot because you can't sell a game. And I've been saying for a while that I, I believe the next Microsoft console isn't going to have a disk drive. And if it is, it'll be barely used. It'll be more of a, a 4K movie device than it really will a, a feature for gaming. I think most cases are going to have a, a download voucher in them. And they're going to just push, why go to the store and pay for the game when you can have Game Pass? But I feel like it's just, it, you're just shooting yourself in the foot. I really don't know how else to say it. It's, I, I feel there's nothing good that can come from pushing digital in this way. But when you're talking about the subscription services, it's a, like a catch-22 when you have PlayStation Now, like you said, that has been a major failure for PlayStation because they didn't have really the games that really would support it. I, I think a lot of the games out there were already, people have bought it, people were interested in it, they've already got it, they've already played it at some point in time, and really by the time it was brought out onto a platform such as PlayStation Now, there really wasn't much interest in it. But then all the, the HD remasters? All the, H, all the HD re remasters, you're right, but then you get to the point where you have, on the other end of the spectrum, you have Xbox Game Pass, which has a lot of older titles, but in an order to go ahead and sacrifice 
a lot of sales, like we said initially, they go ahead and introduce a lot of brand new games to that, especially when it comes to their first party. So obviously they've got a lot of weight behind Microsoft Games Pass. Is it from a business sense the right thing to do? I mean, I mean, I don't, I don't know, I just, it's really tough to say because the fact that they have so much cash from their other operations and you've said before that Xbox has really not been a great revenue maker for them or a profit maker as well. To my knowledge, um, last time I looked into it, Microsoft has never turned a profit on the Xbox brand. They've had months or years where they're up, but overall over the life of the brand, they've never actually turned a profit. And that's just because of poor first party support. I mean, I, I really do feel that way. They had the, the original Xbox came out strong, but it came out a little late in that generation to and they were competing with the other two big, you know, competitors. They were trying to fill that niche where Sega had left, or fill that market where Sega had left, and they did a good job. I think the original Xbox was a strong, especially for a first console, was really strong. Microsoft used the strengths of their their software teams and Windows to really power a great machine. But then they came out with 360, and it's like they forgot what the customer, they forgot to care about the customer, I guess is the way I look at it. The, the price points for things, the things that were add-ons just didn't make sense. It just, overall, they, they I think they lost track. And I feel like they're doing that again, where it's just, man, where, where, where are we going with all this? Do you get a sense of desperation from Xbox when it comes to it? Because they have been for number three now for so long. And not just talking about the domestic market, but I'm talking about a worldwide basis that they've been number three for so long. They really haven't had a great amount of success unless you're talking about the Xbox 360. Those days domestically where it had strong months, as an Xbox One, it's really never had a breakout type of month or period of time where it's been the top selling console maker in the domestic marketplace. And that goes for the world marketplace as well. So do you think this is kind of a reach by them to order to try to spike sales? Because in essence, if it's the rent to own type of deal or lease to own, as in this case, when you're talking about a $22, was it $22, I believe? 22 or, is what I saw. Yeah, 22 a month type deal. Well, 22 and up. I think there might be different machines and things you can buy. Like a different, I'm guessing different hardware or different packages that you could buy, but it seems like it starts at 22. So in essence, you're probably paying more for the base console or whatever console that you're buying into than you actually would have done if you just walked into a store that's doing. That's usually the catch when you're doing it because these lease to own or rent to own places, that's the idea. When let's say you buy a TV, it's normally $500 if you walk into a Fry's or a Best Buy or Walmart or whatnot. But since you're paying on a week by week or month by month basis, you end up actually paying more for that unit. And when you talk about Xbox Live Game Pass and you talk about Xbox Live, those are supposed to in and of itself, since they're basically thin air, generate profit in and of themselves you're just basically paying $22 over a 24 month period of time for one physical item and that's the Xbox One and for a base unit that's a pretty hefty price to pay. When I did the math just quickly it, it seemed if if you looked at a, a lower end Xbox One I mean we looked up over Black Friday sales $200 is about the the best price you could ever get on a, on a new Xbox One. And, and Black Friday, you're going to get it probably, what, $179, $189, $199 right there. I'm, I'm guessing we might see, I don't know if they'll drift below the $200 because it's such a, an even, easy round number. I see games or a controller packed in. Well, they did last year. They did? Yeah. The Xbox 500 gig unit oh, that's right. yeah, yeah. was actually, I think, as low as $189, if I remember correctly. I and both, right. both PlayStation, the, the PlayStation 4 and the Xbox One, they both had under $200 models. But that goes to show you if that's what's something similar that they're doing in this occasion, paying $22 a month over 24 months, 
In essence, you're paying a lot more for that Xbox One console. When I when I looked at it, 200 for that. I mean, you're looking at roughly at the 22 hours a month. You're looking at almost. I mean, that's close to 300 a year, right? Or about 300 a year, plus the uh, everything. I mean, you end up losing. I mean, Xbox Live is what 60 dollars a year, so that's 120 on top of your let's say 200. That's 320, and then $10 a month, another 240. So. 560 versus spending 600 so you're losing about $40 over the course of time to in the end I'll reiterate not own anything but a license like <laughs> that's that's what that's what's confusing me is that's a lot of money to at the end of the day I don't know just not own anything so I ask you this we'll close this out uh, on this note if you're not happy with what they're doing now with the subscription plan and other subscription plans like it are you fearful that this could be a trend in the industry going forward that PlayStation and Nintendo will also model themselves after if there's any kind of success that Xbox receives from the subscription plan that they're offering right now to consumers? I think if Xbox is successful with it, it doesn't really matter what I think. Uh, that's the, the consumer. You know, I mean, I, the, the market has to go with what the consumer wants or what the consumer is willing to pay for. So for better or worse, in my opinion, if that's what happens, that's probably going to be where gaming goes. I don't see the other two companies going in that direction. Um, I think Google's trying to fill that in right now, and Bethesda and a couple other companies seem optimistic about it because, of course, the more things they can port their game to, the better it better it seems, or better it is for them. But I don't see the other consoles doing it, especially with Nintendo moving towards like things like the Switch and mobile. I don't really see that being something that would even be possible with you know lack of storage on the switch the the lack of the game size cards i mean it doesn't really expand to that big of a storage to where you could pull it with you if you're going to be looking at a mobile device the streaming idea doesn't work nor does really downloading because the only place you could download is at your house or connected to a wi-fi source it just i don't i don't see nintendo in the near future doing it i don't think with their success with the switch they're going to rebrand themselves with anything but what they're doing right now and i don't think sony right now feels like they have to care what anybody else does it's kind of it's kind of the same cockiness that uh, Microsoft had last generation and Nintendo had the generation before, and we kind of saw what happened to each of them in the subsequent years. And so I'm not saying the other companies are going to be perfect, but I don't see them going subscription. I mean, look, look at most of the country and the world with internet speeds and storage issues. I mean, how many games am I really going to be able to, to download onto my system? It's great when it's 360 and Xbox games, but we're talking about Xbox One, PS4 games, those kind of things where 50, 60, 70 gig installs, and I have a 500 gig or a one terabyte system, I can hold 10 games at a time, maybe, you know, with, with buffering on the, the drive. I mean, I don't know what we'll have to do and what it'll entail to actually go to that fully digital step. I mean. Like I said, even download speeds and you know throttling on data caps, all, all these things are, are real world issues for even hardline connections at your house. And are people really gonna up the ante and pay more monthly to then be able to stream games or download games? I don't know. I, I, I really don't know. <laughs> well, I will say something that I know, while there are systems that can carry physical media, the place you should go to buy physical media is right here. <laughs> The leader in video games in Southern Nevada, that is Retro City Games. Douglas Hoyabu, it's always a pleasure having you on the show, sharing your thoughts, especially when it comes to venting on whatever console manufacturer <laughs> that you really have an issue with it, because it's nice to see that fire in you, my friend. Thanks for having me, Gerald, as always. You're listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos. Looking for an edge the next time you take on your favorite video game? Look no further than Vitabrace High Performance Gamer Wristbands. 
packed with the power of fruit seed oil, Vitabrace is clinically proven to help improve performance, giving you a better gaming experience. Whether you're looking to beat the time on your latest speedrun, or are fighting your way to the top on your favorite multiplayer or battle royale game, Vitabrace can help you reach your gaming goals. Buy Vitabrace today at MiracleFruitOil.com. That's MiracleFruitOil.com. Vitabrace. Win with it. And we're back with the show. This is Gerald Glassford from Pop Culture Cosmos and Game Source saying hello to everyone out there once again. He is the fantasy football guru, and you got to check out everything that he's talking about on his Fantasy Football Pater Podcast Facebook group. It is my good friend. But the guy who has cursed me what? in our first week matchup, what? it is Tyler Baker. What's going on, man? I'm <laughs> doing well. I would never do anything like that. How's your holiday weekend? So far, so good. Good. Until I was editing the show, and you had said the words almost to the point in time where you said, it looks like it's going to be pretty much an uneventful preseason, for almost free of any major <laughs> injuries. We just mentioned a couple, <laughs> couple, but he said it was going to be a pretty good preseason and wouldn't you know it, I, I get a flash from ESPN saying Jarek McKinnon on the last play of the last practice blows out his knee. Torn ACL out for the season. And he was somebody I wasn't even sure about getting in the first place in my draft because I was thinking about him or T.Y. Hilton. And I got him because I took, you know, obviously your advice, sound as it is or sound as it was sound as it will be in regards to prioritizing running backs. Now, I'm out a running back in our first week matchup that we go head-to-head -head against each other. So I'm just mm. saying the voodoo curse worked for you. <laughs> Man, I'm sure sorry about that. You hate to see that happen. The 49ers were excited to bring McKinnon in, and McKinnon did a really good job in Minnesota when he needed to, and and uh, they thought that they were going to fit that he was going to fit that Shanahan system really well. And like you said, right before the season starts, he tears his ACL out for the season. Now, it's a good thing that the 49ers had Kyle Shanahan's old friend, Alfred Morris, there because Alfred Morris, he knows that system. And Alfred Morris, you might remember when he played with the Redskins under Shanahan, was, I believe, a top five rusher back uh, five, six years ago. He has found a lot of success in that system before, and it's certainly familiar to him. As far as finding a replacement for McKinnon, I think that there are two real options. There's Alfred Morris, but there's also Matt Breida. Now, in my opinion, I think to start the season, it's going to be Alfred Morris. Like I said, he knows the system, but Breida is coming off of, I believe, a shoulder injury. So he's going to start a little bit slow, but I think by the time the end of the year or, or probably somewhere in the middle of the season, Matt Breida is probably going to be the one that's going to be the go-to running back in that system. So if you're looking for a replacement for Kinnon, if if you had McKinnon on your team, Alfred Morris is the guy that's going to start the season. If you're just trying to snatch someone off of the waiver wire that you don't need to play, I I would probably go with 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 Matt Breida. Thanks for the advice. <laughs> 
And I'm still thinking you did this on purpose because we meet up in week one. But. I hate man. Yeah. No. <laughs> as much as I want to beat you, I, 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 I would certainly wish no harm on any NFL player at all. all Just right. your fantasy team. <laughs> see, see how he is? The last episode, let the smack of talk begin, and it already has started. Any last thoughts as we head into the season, my friend? Because hopefully for a lot of people out there, for everyone playing fantasy football out there, it's going to be a good one for them. Have fun. (laughs) Have fun. Week one is always exciting. Football's back. Enjoy it. Set your lineup the best you can. And if you have any questions about maybe some matchups or something like that, you can always get on the Facebook group or you can send us an email and we'll definitely get back to you. That's right, especially if you have some lineup questions, trade questions, some things about waiver wire pickups, anything you need at all, you just check it out today on the Fantasy Football Patriot Podcast Facebook group. You put it out there, and you're sure to get some opinions, not only from my good friend Tyler Baker, but from a lot of other individuals and hardcore fantasy football players as well. So, Tyler, we headed to week one. Our Mm -hmm. matchup is going to go down pretty soon. Are you nervous? <laughs> no. <laughs> you should be, my friend. You should be. Oh, I like it. All right. Yes, because All even right. though one of my top running backs is out for the season. That's difficult. That only made the winning margin for me that much smaller. So it, instead of winning by 80, I think I only win by 70. <laughs> so yeah, just it's just going to have to be the way it is. And, and like I said, uh, I'll have to go ahead and, and win gracefully only by 70 this point in time. Sure. Well, I'll tell you, my friend, this injury hit you, and it's a tough one. You planned on him being a starter, but it did happen early. So you'll have a chance to rebound. We'll get into week one. We're going to see if one of these rookies emerges, and you'll be able to work the waiver wire. You'll be able to overcome it. It's a big hit, but something like this is not going to derail your whole season. Now, you'll probably lose this week to me, you know, but. But when you have injuries like this, especially to starters, you know, just just take a breath, relax, and work the waiver wire. See if you can work out a trade, work the waiver wire. It's never, it's it's never the end of the world. Let's hope it's not the end of week one for me as well. <laughs> oh, it's the end of week one. It's just, it's just not the end of your season. I see how it is. Oh. Hmm. Tyler, it's been great having you on the show today. Looking forward to a great season of fantasy football. Hopefully everyone out there as well will have a great season indeed. Just truly thankful that you are a part of the Fantasy Football Patriot Podcast. And of course, right here at the Pop Culture Cosmos. If you're tired of sifting through flea markets for rare and unique games, we can help. Retro City Games in Henderson, Nevada, only five minutes from the Las Vegas Strip, has all your favorite gaming staples, classics, and a wide selection of rare games with new stuff always appearing on our shelves. Come in and chat with Nicole or Doug about your love of games and watch as they help you complete your collection or find your childhood favorite. And don't forget, Retro City Games loves trade-ins. So if you have any Nintendo, Super Nintendo, Sega, Xbox, PlayStation, or even PC games, come in and visit Retro City Games today. Welcome to the new metropolis of gaming, Retro City Games. And we're back to close out the show. This is the Pop Culture Cosmos. I want to thank so much. Ron McCallum, Tyler Baker, and Douglas Hoibu for stopping by and 
talking to us on the show today. That's just so glad to have them once again appearing on a broadcast. If you want to make sure and know where we are, because we're on radio seven days a week on channels all over the world, and we're also on 30 different podcast networks, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, and so many more. Check out our entire listing today at Pop Culture Cosmos on Facebook, Pop Culture Cosmo on Twitter. You'll get the listings right there for you. Get our schedule, and then you'll also be able to stay in tune with the latest news and trends in pop culture. Josh, got to tell me what's going on, my friend, with all the latest and greatest with your great show, Topicocalypse, and everything else going on at Humanic Media. This past week, we had a couple interviews with Keys. I talked to a couple of the guys from Keys, and the lead singer of Keys is actually the nephew of Vic Fuentes from Pierce the Veil. So if you are into that scene, uh, his nephew has some has a good band out there, a lot of good stuff. Then there was Stasis. I talked to Callum Reed of the band Stasis, and they're an up-and-coming melodic hardcore band from Canada, and they actually have some pretty good music. They have a new single out now. You can check out their music both on the podcast and on YouTube. So definitely check that stuff out. Plus, you're also going to be on this week on Tuesday on the Podcast Radio Network. It's usually 7 p.m. Eastern, but you got to check it out just to make sure in case. Josh, before we head on out, my friend, I just want to give you the heads up. Did you get a chance to see the Anthem video? Bioware and EA Electronic Arts debuted at PAX West. It actually showed a lot more footage and a lot more detail about the story, a little bit about the combat, a little bit about where you're going, what you're doing. To me, it still looks like a Destiny type of thing. Still not 100% hooked on it. In fact, I really still kind of turned off. That may just still be me talking because of the disappointment that was Mass Effect Andromeda. What are your thoughts? I know you got a chance to look at the video in regards to Anthem. Is it something that's now impressing you more? Or is it something that still has you really just on the fence as far as a future for the game? I'm not interested, honestly. It looks like a beautiful game, and I'm sure that it's going to find an audience somewhere. And this has nothing to do with Mass Effect. Honestly, I would love to go back and play Mass Effect Andromeda as the complete experience that it allegedly is now. But I just, I don't know, like from Bioware, I just wanted another single player story game. They're saying that the story experience that we know from Bioware takes place in the city. And that's cool. But it seems like in order to go out and actually like experience the game for what it's meant to be, you have to go out and have a bunch of friends. But what happens, you know, if you don't have friends that all have the game, you got to join. It's just that that whole mechanic I don't like. I've never liked it in really any other game. So it looks cool. The footage was beautiful. The gunplay was cool. You know, it reminded me a little bit of like a different version of Monster Hunter in, a, in its own right. But I don't know, man. I just I'm not pulled into it. And I, I don't see that being a game on my purchase list. I'm curious to like watch videos of people playing it, but it's just not something that I see myself spending $60 on. What about you, though? Like I said, I'm still maybe a little bit biased about the tragedy known as Mass Effect Andromeda. I shouldn't be. I should try to give it a clean slate. And with a game similar in its structure as Fallout 76, beating it to the punch, that may also have Anthem take a kind of hit with people because they already will be invested in Fallout 76, Destiny 2 Forsaken, and other games of that ilk that have a multiplayer-centric focus. So like you said, it's just something that maybe I need a little bit more footage, a little bit more time to take in. Maybe I'll actually connect with it at some point in time. But at this point in time, it looks like you and I are 
kind of shying away from Anthem at this point. What are your thoughts on Anthem? Are you excited for it? Did you get to see the footage from PAX West this past weekend? Is it a title that you're looking forward to getting in 2019? Or do you think it's something that you might want to stay away from for the fact that it might just not be looking good enough for you? Or do you still have a bad taste in your mouth from what happened with Mass Effect Andromeda? Share us your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Also as well, popculturecosmos, humanity media, and game source on Facebook and Twitter as well. Any last thoughts on the way out, my friend? Later this week, I do want to briefly discuss the Meg for the mega disaster that it was, but it was aware of itself. So we'll talk about that a little bit more later on. That we will. That'll be coming up on the Friday program, the PCC Multiverse, with our part two of our movie preview as well. So for Josh Peterson, this is Gerald Glassford. It's another beautiful day in paradise right here in the pop culture cosmos. We thank you for listening. And here's hoping you have yourself a great day. Do you know the ESO Network has a brand new Patreon? That's right. We're asking for your help, and you could do it for as little as a dollar a month. Don't fret. All your favorite shows will still be available for free as always. But you can get exclusive podcasts and more not heard anywhere else but on our Patreon. To sign up for the ESO Network, Patreon's easy. All you have to do is go to ESOPodcast.com and click on the link. With your support of the ESO Network, it's you who will reap the rewards. You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping through Amazon.com or the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Tangent Bound Network. Let your voice be heard. TangentBoundNetwork.com Thanks so much for downloading the Pop Culture Cosmos and stay tuned as more great podcasts are on the way. Thanks again for listening to us here at the Pop Culture Cosmos.